0: My fellow Americans, we've won with the most votes ever cast on a presidential ticket in the history of the nation, 74 million.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the campaign podcast, where we chat about advertising, media and marketing. I am your host today, Omar Oakes, Campaigns Media and Technology Editor, and that voice you just heard was, of course, Joe Biden, the next President of the United States. It's a huge week of news for the ad industry. Not least because major brands are about to unleash Christmas ads, or because we may be really about to get a vaccine within weeks, which we're definitely not getting overly excited about. Uh, hashtag super excited. Hashtag WFH sucks. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about what the end of Trump means and what the new American regime means for trust in the media, what it means for our industry's creative culture and what the Democrats being in charge could mean for big tech. We also delve into the November issue of Campaign, which includes an interview with Sir Martin Sorrell, and our Faces to Watch feature, which has taken on a special significance with the pandemic this year. But first, joining me today is Campaign's UK Editor in Chief Gideon Spanier. Hello, Um, Gideon. We've just published the November issue of Campaign, and we'll come on to that. Um, But first, I wanted to ask, where were you when you heard the news on Saturday that Donald Trump was no longer going to be US President?
2: Joe Biden has won the American presidential election.
0: NBC News now projects that Joe Biden has won the Keystone State, Pennsylvania. And it's 20 electoral votes.
2: And Now project that former Vice President Joe Biden will win Pennsylvania and Nevada, putting him over the 270 electoral votes he needs to become the 46th president of the United States. So I was at home and I think actually my daughter, who was a teenager, was very excited. And so she told me first that Biden had won. And I've got a brother and his family who live in California and we do a regular Zoom call. At five o'clock UK time, so that was around uh, nine a.m. in Los Angeles, and that was um, great. So we got to share it with them, and they I have to tell you were rooting for Biden. So it was a happy result.
1: Ah, sounds like it. Um, uh, well. Who better to give the view from America than our very own US editor making her debut on the campaign podcast, Alison Weisbrot. Alison, how are you? Um, where does the podcast find you today? And where were you when Joseph Robinette, this is his middle name, Biden, was declared by the immediate of one?
0: I didn't know that was what the R stood for. Oh, yeah. Hi, I am. I am currently in New York um, in the suburbs of New York City. And when I found out that Biden won, this is going to make me sound a lot fancier than I really am. But I was in the Hamptons (laughs) for the weekend, um, enjoying a little bit of a getaway. So I was actually standing on the beach and it was a it was a nice moment.
1: Uh, well, um, uh, everyone's having a nice moment over the weekend. Um, I, I actually stayed up. I had a holiday on the Wednesday afterwards, but I actually stayed up on the Tuesday evening to watch the election results. And it turned out to be a huge waste of time because we didn't even know the result until Saturday. So, um, but I still enjoyed it anyway. CNN, it was a hypnotic watch. Um, but yes, after a long... And protracted affair, uh, Joseph Robinette Biden has beaten Donald Trump and has been elected as the forty-sixth president of the U.S. Uh, Donald Trump is actually the first one-term president since the nineteen nineties, uh, since George H.W. Bush. Um, he hasn't conceded yet. Time of recording, um, staying classy as usual. Um, but we're here to talk about what impact this is going to have on. Um, the industry. Um, So Alison, going to you first, um, what has been the reaction among your contacts in the US? Is it, um, I suppose, the perception that the advertising industry is just full of Biden supporters, full of Democrats? Um, Has there been an outpouring of joy or has it been more complicated than that?
0: I would say that um, in the media and advertising circles, especially in New York, there was probably an overwhelming sigh of relief um, that, that Biden won. Um, but I won't, I mean, I'm not gonna say that that's how the whole country feels because a lot of people voted for Donald Trump. So yeah, it's hard for me to gauge actually from where I sit, but I would say that in advertising and media, um, people seem to be pretty content.
1: And Gideon, what impact do you think this will have on, Trust in media i mean it, if seventy five million people voted for biden um five about five million more we think more than donald trump do you do you regard this as a repudiation of the the fake news narrative that trump's been going on about
2: uh, i' I think donald trump's approach to facts is um unique and not not very healthy you know as journalists, we all believe in uh reporting facts and and not um distorting them. So uh, I, th- they've, I, th- I think there are very few journalists who admire Donald Trump. I think what the last four years have shown is is that Trump was able to set the agenda quite a lot, and he used the power of the presidency to, if you like, just get share of voice. He he, he you know, the president commands sort of uh, you know a lot of airtime basically, and and that includes his use of social media. What's been fascinating, I think particularly from Tuesday to Saturday was the American broadcast networks and the social media platforms started to control the, you know, the ability of Trump to communicate directly with audiences, essentially by not just transmitting everything he said live and not allowing his posts to go unquestioned and to put warnings on them, uh, particularly on Twitter. What has been interesting is, is all of us, I'm talking about the, all of us as Consumers of media have watched, particularly the U.S. broadcast networks and the news services like Associated Press, be very measured and not rush to endorse endorse the result um, of Biden winning. They've been very, very careful, and uh, I think it's shown audiences that journalism is 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 a careful business.
0: I would agree with that, but I will caveat that with the people who support Donald Trump and follow Donald Trump believe whatever he says in a sense. So, and that's a huge audience. So I think that while, you know, the media here definitely handled this election better than 2016, and you sort of got the sense that Facebook and Twitter were preparing for a Biden presidency by controlling more of the narrative and and fact-checking Donald Trump throughout the election results process, I still think that, you know, Donald Trump still has a huge megaphone Of millions and millions of Americans who believe what he says about you know the fake news media and it's ironic because there is a ton of fake news running around on the media but it's just not the news that he's pointing to so it's an interesting way that he's sort of twisted that narrative in his favor.
1: I'm fascinated to know Alison do you think digital media has Created Donald Trump, or do you think Donald Trump, in the way that you know he's gotten people to believe um, the things that he says, do you think he's created this digital media environment himself? I mean, um, you were an ad exchanger, weren't you? So, you know, before campaign, you've been writing about digital advertising and all the issues therein for a while. Do you think Trump is a product of the system, or? we, as in the media, we've created Donald Trump to an extent?
0: That's a good question. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, if you look at Donald Trump's history, he's sort of like an original influencer, right? Like he never really did anything besides use the media and market himself well. (laughs) And he got really famous and a lot of influence from that. Um, So I think that he's sort of, you know, say what you want about him. He is a master of marketing and using these digital tools to reach his audience. Um, And I think that in a sense, you know, the media has has sort of fueled him. Whether that's the the cable news networks and and the print media covering everything he says, regardless of it being true, or whether that's Twitter and Facebook letting him sort of run rampant. Um, so I think it's been sort of an unhealthy symbiotic relationship between the two.
1: Mm. You know what I think has been really interesting is how once again the polls seem to have the pollsters seem to have really messed up again this time. You know, we were told that Biden was ten points ahead, twelve points ahead, oh the polls are so stable, they're not moving. Biden's definitely gonna win by a landslide. And again, like twenty sixteen, the Republican vote turned about turned out to be much bigger than we thought. Um, Gideon, I can't help again making the parallel with Brexit. What we've seen over the last four years in the age of Trump is I suppose um people in the ad industry, I suppose, being cowed, being a bit unwilling, as a bit less confident as they were before to pontificate about culture in the industry, because, you know, maybe we don't know the UK or the US for that matter, as well as we thought we did. Do you think now Biden has won? Do you think that's going to change at all?
2: Well, I think there is quite a long recent History of advertising and marketing people um, defaulting to their own personal um, views, and that means that they're not very good at understanding how the whole of the country, for example, might feel about something. Um, just before the 2016 U.S. election, I travelled to uh, to America, and I and I drove uh, quite a long way away from the coast, and and it doesn't take very long to go inland. To discover that there's a very different America and uh, the Sasha Baron Cohen Borat movie, uh, the second one, which came out on Amazon just before the election, sort of captures some of that. And there is a serious point, which is, which I mean, obviously, that it's, it can be amusing when someone like Sasha Baron Cohen exposes it. But there's, there's got to be um, a continued challenge to the advertising and marketing industry to say, there's a world out there you you might find personally distasteful, but you're not doing your job if you don't get to know it. And it plays into many questions about how um, brands and agencies and media owners recruit, where they're based, m- many things like that. I'm I'm going to mention one thing though, uh, just uh, on the U.S. election, which is a is a different counterpoint to the, to the Donald Trump use of digital media. So I, I believe I'm right in saying Joe Biden spent more on advertising than any election candidate in U.S. history. That's and, right. Yeah. yeah and, and he spent something like six hundred and forty million dollars on traditional media and about one hundred million on Facebook and 80 million on Google. So, you know, do do the math. It's some, something north of eight eight hundred million dollars. So um, paid media maybe beat earned media.
0: Mm. It's definitely possible. I think I think, you know, after twenty sixteen, um the Hillary Clinton campaign sort of looked at how how Donald Trump's campaign used social media and they realized they really needed to step it up this year and they did it with with paid media. I will say on the polls that I think what's happening um in the US, which also happened in 2016, is that the pollsters aren't necessarily either asking the right questions or getting the right answers. Um, I think people maybe are hesitant to to say one thing on the polls and then they go and vote and do another thing. Um, so there might be just sort of some systemic flaws there. But I also think that, um, you know, Gideon's point about driving away from the coast and seeing a very different America is is extremely true. And I think a lot of times that different view, that nuanced view of the American population, whether that's very conservative people who live in rural areas or whether that's – you saw what happened to Joe Biden in Miami where he only won half of the county and everyone sort of assumed that you know Latinos are going to vote for Joe Biden because they're Democratic, but Latinos aren't just one group of people. There's many, many, many nuanced cultures in there, and I think that advertisers could learn a really important lesson from what happened down there in the election – and be more nuanced in how they talk to these different groups of people and not just sort of bucket everyone together.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've heard for a while about the shy Trump voter that doesn't necessarily admit to pollsters, they're going to vote for the guy. Um, But I also heard another theory after the election last week saying that it's not that people are shy about voting for Donald Trump, it's just they don't trust pollsters. Um, There's a very high correlation between people who don't trust social institutions, and people that vote for someone like Donald Trump. And you know, I don't suppose these people even pick up the phone or answer the door when a pollster comes knocking or ringing. Um, so that could be part of it as well. Um, do you think, Alison, particularly talking about digital media and Gideon, you know, we're always fascinated in the UK by how much is spent on US elections. Um, and Gideon made the point about um, digital advertising. Um, how could or would a Biden presidency, Alison, be different from Donald Trump in respect to issues like antitrust or regulating big tech.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really interesting question because I think typically in America the Republicans have sort of been the party of big business, small government and the Democrats are the other way around, but there's sort of been this, you know, repudiation of of big tech under Donald Trump because he thinks or his supporters feel that these platforms silence conservative voices. Um so it's it's like this odd singular bipartisan issue that Democrats and Republicans both feel strongly about. However, um, Joe Biden hasn't really made a clear policy agenda or indicated how he wants to handle antitrust. Um, I have a feeling that he wants to deal with the misinformation issues on these big platforms and um, it is sort of a more of a democratic policy agenda to essentially break up monopolies, but we're still waiting for for, for a clear policy from him. And, and at the same time, Obama had a very, very good relationship with big tech. Granted, that was before the 2016 election. So we'll see whether he continues to pursue that sort of friendly relationship with these companies um, or if his progressive party wants to pursue more antitrust regulation. And I think a lot of it depends on what happens in the Senate in Georgia. Um, I'm not sure if you guys know in the UK, there's going to be a runoff election in Georgia, which is sort of a, they're they're re- redoing the race almost for the Senate. And that could have the chance to flip the Senate, either Democratic or Republican. And that could sort of shape how a lot of laws get passed and and how easy it is for for Biden to pass laws that fit with his agenda. So TPD, but I think there will still be, um, I think that the that Biden will continue forward with some of these bipartisan antitrust investigations that are happening.
1: Yes, I think um, the, the Senate question is extremely important. I think you actually saw after the election that um, the stock price, the, the stock market reacted incredibly positively um, to the election news. But I don't think that was because of Biden. I think it was because I, I was actually clear that the Republicans might hold on to the Senate. So <laughs> it looked like there wasn't going to be regulation of big tech. And tech has created so much of the shareholder value um, that we've seen um, this year. Um, and Gideon, and finally, with respect to the UK, um, how do you? you think um regulation of the advertising industry will change if at all um, now that biden is going to be the us president
2: um i'm going to plead ignorance on this but the the one thing i'll say is that biden is very experienced having come uh, through as vice president and as a senator and so i suspect that whatever will will happen will not be So knee jerk as the approach, for example, to TikTok ownership in the US. So (laughs) I'm afraid the record of the last, you know, 10 plus years has been a failure to properly regulate the large tech companies and their, you know, uh, dominance of the advertising uh, ecosystem and, and generally of business. But I'm not holding my breath that. For for all the reasons that Alison and you have raised, I'm not holding my breath that there's going to be a big change. Uh,
1: yes, I suspect you're right. And Gideon, you actually um worked for CNN uh not so long ago, did you? And I was wondering what you thought of um there was a lot of love for their election coverage as people were transfixed by maps and John King and all the rest of it.
2: Yeah, so I started my career in London at, at CNN, and that was it was actually quite a long time ago, but it was a great experience and i mean tv news when 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 there's a big unfolding story uh, you're watching history in the making it's when the tv news um networks sort of come into their own and and it's strange in a way because the b you know the bbc is important in the uk and there's a strong culture of radio as well so 24 hour tv news just does not have the same Drama and compelling um sort of attraction as as it does in America, and this I think CNN coverage was pretty good, and you you certainly got that sense that all of the networks were being very measured. I can make a confession, which is I spent most of the time watching Fox. Really, and one, one of the most fascinating things was to see the the Fox coverage, which uh, lots of people know was very pro Trump in the past and very anti Hillary Clinton. Uh, it absolutely the fox was calling arizona in particular early and correctly i believe and there was a sense that they were happy to talk about president-elect biden and that was very important language and everyone knows that in trump's pomp then people were watching fox almost because it played it, it helped fox helped sort of set the agenda in the white house rupert murdoch has turned against trump and he's just probably worked out that the the american public were not were, were going for biden um it has been really interesting to watch and i will say one more thing even before allison steps in which is i because i was watching for those who are interested to know uh through the fox news website because it's not no longer on the um sort of on U- UK television the the adverts there were an amazing number of healthcare adverts and it reminded me healthcare has done very well in the pandemic for obvious and important reasons yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of healthcare advertising on american television and there there isn't so much on the UK tv
0: there's a lot of healthcare and pharma advertising and i think in particular older demographics watch fox news and cable news so that's why you see a lot of it particularly on those channels um yeah i would say on on your point about 24-hour cable news um i agree that it's a little bit um you know it's going to be interesting to see how these news networks and also you know publications like the new york times and washington post um do after trump is out of office because he's you know, you've heard about the Trump bump, like he's provided a lot of engagement with news content. And it will be very, very interesting to see what happens when we go back to a little bit more of a, shall we say, pleasantly boring (laughs) presidential administration. Um, Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised on the point of of Rupert Murdoch turning against Trump. Uh, There are some rumors going around that you know, Trump's next move will be to start his own media company that would obviously directly compete with Fox News. So that will be a really interesting space to watch, you know, what happens with with Fox News and what Trump does next.
1: That's not really going to happen, is it? Do you think?
0: I don't know. Anything can happen is what I've learned from this year.
1: That's not going to really happen, Alice.
0: I wouldn't be surprised.
1: I mean, I can you imagine what it starts, it, what it takes to start a media company, and Donald Trump? He's he's never he's has there been a successful business that he's ever launched?
0: No.
2: <laughs> well, I'd say being elected, pre- yeah, being elected president of the United States is, would, would you'd have to say was uh, about as successful a campaign as you can get by, you know, in 2016.
0: He'll always have The Apprentice. Uh,
1: yes. <laughs>
2: um. Yeah. I, I, can I say one more thing? Alison makes such a good point. You know, a lot of media companies did very well out of Trump and it, uh, it not for the first time, given the Apprentice connection. Um, you know, the whole of the last four years has been like one giant TV reality show. Trump knows how to perform on TV, getting COVID in October, then with Regeneron coming back from his thick bed. You know, there's been so many dramas and the media has benefited from it. And the New York Times subscriber base, uh, CNN, Fox has uh, been amazingly profitable. And uh, some of us, in fact, many of us might prefer news to be a bit calmer in 2021. But the, the news business is a commercial business with Leave Aside the BBC. So, yeah, interesting times.
1: Um, indeed. Um, Alison, you've got to run. Um, thank you for coming onto the campaign podcast. Uh, what's next for you? What, what are we going to see in campaign US over the next few weeks? What's your agenda?
0: <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, second, you're just going to see a lot more coverage of the industry, breaking some news and keeping my eye i'm really interested in how um the agency workforce and workplace is changing um and and sort of what we're going to see from the office and working from home in 2021 so expect more stuff like that
1: yeah similar themes to what we're doing in campaign uk i'm glad to hear it and thank you very much Alison.
0: all right thank you guys
1: now possibly even more momentous than the departure of Donald Trump from public life is the publication of the November issue of campaign. Gideon, um, please tell us what is in this latest issue. So the
2: cover is, says what future for Adland's next generation. And what we've done is we've got one of our faces to watch our rising stars of 2020 uh, as nominated by a number of advertising and, Media and marketing companies around the UK. We've got one of our faces to watch mocked up. Uh, I say mocked up. We've actually photographed her, Bixan Tam from XYZ. Yeah,
1: a lot of people are wondering whether it is a real person, but she definitely is. Yes,
2: yeah, and and she she's wearing a face mask and she's wearing glasses which are steamed up. And the question we've asked, which we've actually put across the face mask, uh, in uh, says, "What's future for Adland's next generation?" So the the big idea is well, faces to watch is a, is a, is a great annual fixture for campaign ads about 30 odd people f- who work across all kinds of different agencies media owners and brands and each of them has been recommended by their employer for standing out they've all been in the industry for 10 years or or under and we've not only profiled them but we have asked them what do they think are the challenges facing the faces to watch of tomorrow? That is, those people who are trying to break into the industry now, the people who have, who have just graduated from university or in entry level jobs. And it's been really interesting. And I'll just give you a couple of stats because they're interesting. So we asked the faces to watch how worried are you about the impact of COVID 19 on your career in advertising? Well, 70% said they're worried and they that is people who already have done well to get recognised in our faces to watch and then we asked them how worried are you about the impact of covid on people trying to enter the industry now those people who want to be the faces to watch in the future and they of our from asking people sort of roughly in the 25 to 30 year old age bracket what do you think about people younger than you 75% said they are worried about those people and the opportunities or lack there might be with this combination of potentially fewer jobs fewer entry-level jobs uh harder to network harder to learn uh, just by being in the same office as more experienced people so it, there's also lots and lots of positivity particularly i think from the leaders of the advertising colleges so ali owen brixton finishing school we had Tony Cullingham from the Watford Creative Course, Mark Lewis from SCA, and they are, you know, saying there's many, many opportunities, and you have to adapt. But actually, digital media, we which you were talking about before, there are amazing ways to build businesses and build your brand right now. So we've tried to look at the challenges and be optimistic.
1: It's a really interesting idea to ask the faces to watch what their advice is for the next generation, Um, because there is this particular issue, isn't there, about young people and how the pandemic is affecting them and their careers and their ability. Um, I I, I do often lament, um, you know, lots of people talking about how wonderful it is and how efficient we can be when working from home. It's It's a very senior management point of view, isn't it? um when you know you might live in a kind of comfortable house you might be confident and learned in your career where you have the ability to do that but you know if you're just starting out you're kind of learning from other people and seeing what happens and you want to network and be sociable at work and this whole pandemic situation just does not suit them at all um so I'm really glad that you asked that question but moving on from the next generation um you actually interviewed someone um who I think would struggle to be part of that particular um Contingent, and that is the man himself, Sir Martin Sorrell. What did
2: Sir Martin talk to you about? So, we have spoken to Martin Sorrell because he founded a business, S4 Capital, two years ago when he got turfed out or exited, however you like to describe it, WPP. He'd been at WPP for over 30 years. He left under a cloud, but he bounced back because he set up this new business. Uh, And actually, talking about youth, Uh, He styled it a new era marketing services business and focused exclusively on digital media. He put in something like 40 million pounds of his own money. He keeps uh, acquiring businesses, although he merges them with S4 Capital. And by September, after just two years, S4 Capital was worth two billion pounds on the stock market. So I went to see him and talked to him, and he's you yeah, know, really interesting. He definitely has a grudge against WPP. But he's very <laughs> interesting about the future of um, advertising media and his record. He built WPP into a 24 billion pound business. That is uh, some feat. It also fell by a third in his last year in charge because it, you, you, you know, the, arguably the WPP model got too complicated. So what's interesting is the headline on our piece is you know our competition isn't the holding companies like WPP. Our real competition is Accenture. So Sorrel is trying to change the goalposts and say the real challenge now is, is from the consulting companies who are winning business from clients and are have more of a sort of flexible consultative approach compared to agencies with retainer relationships.
1: Yeah. And they've been very good at getting C-suite access, haven't they, compared to um, marketing services companies, which tend to talk to chief marketing officers at best. Um, It's an interesting line, but I thought, particularly with the the pandemic this year, that you'd maybe seen that Accenture and um, Deloitte definitely, they they hadn't got their tentacles into marketing services as much as people thought. Or am I wrong about that?
2: Well, I think that's actually a really interesting point. And Sorrel is um, nothing if not mischievous. And so in the article, he raises the question about whether Accenture is truly committed to creative services, because actually his um, inference was that they're more comfortable sort of doing the financial side of things with clients. And actually when it comes to creativity and risk-taking, they're not. Um, I'm not going to sort of go too far into that. I've actually written a column, which is also in the magazine about it. But I will say that Accenture pointed out that they, their their agency business, Accenture Interactive, they elevated this year to be a one of their four core services. So the message from Accenture is we we're, we're committed to creative creativity and and the, the importance of creativity to in fact create differentiation for clients for brands. I'll add two more quick things about Zorl. Um, we went and photographed him at his office, which is just near London's Hyde Park. And he has a dog, an Irish red setter called Ferris. And uh, Sir Martin was pretty game and posed with Ferris in the street, which is very nice. So there's nice pictures and they look great in the magazine if you get the print edition. But also there's a digital version, an exact replica of the magazine, which you can get on our website as well because quite a lot of people are obviously working from home given the current restrictions so you can see it in sort of digital pdf style or you hopefully get a print copy as well and the final thing which might bring us back to the conversation about biden it's interesting how much globalization was set back by brexit and by the trump election in 2016 and wpp um, by Sorrell's own you know, description, did really ride the globalization boom. Now, Sorrell says, S4 Capital is about the technology boom. And um, there's no doubt he's right about that. But Biden does represent a swing back to globalization, which there's no question has benefited advertising and marketing services in a sort of borderless world. So uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting next step for what could happen if a vaccine really kicks in in 2021 and if the US becomes a bit more pro-international trade.
1: Uh, Yes, um, lots that remain to be seen. Um, Yeah, it's a a really good issue. Really proud of it. And we've also got a really um, interesting interview with Natalie Cummins, the chief executive of Zenith, uh, which our UK editor, Maisie McCabe, has done. Um, We've also got something on comedy in the pandemic, which I haven't read yet, which looks really good. Um, And tackling bullying, which um, we've covered before on the campaign podcast, which is a really important issue. Thank you, Gideon really interesting chat thanks as always for coming on to the campaign
2: podcast uh what's next for you what are you doing for the rest of this week well the big thing we're planning for is the annual which is our retrospective of the year and that will be out in december and just as the november issue is out right now the december issue needs um, a lot of work and it's been an epic year and it's been really exciting and interesting to um, start looking back on it we haven't finished looking back on it you know that's something we're trying to do right now the news about the vaccine which came out on Monday or the potential vaccine is super interesting and I should say also we don't forget our day job that is daily online news and this is the week of the John Lewis advert the Tesco Christmas advert coming as well so there's tons to be going on with it's a you know this is always an exciting time of year And of course, with Biden and the pandemic, it's just made more interesting and frankly, more unpredictable.
1: Yes, and as anyone knows in this industry, as soon as Halloween is over, it's Christmas ad seasons and you can see in your ad breaks, it's full of Christmas ads already and we'll be getting into those on campaignlive.co.uk and the podcast, we'll be looking at all the ads. Um, But for now, thank you so much Gideon and to Alison, our US editor, for joining me and thanks to Campaign's Ben Londersborough for editing and co-producing this podcast. Remember, listener, you can get all the latest industry stories and see the UK's latest ad campaigns many of them will be christmas ads on campaignlive.co.uk until then please stay safe wherever you are and we'll catch you next time bye bye